Welcome to Back Issues. I'm Justin, and I am joined via Skype with the glorious Back Issues co-host, Tyrell Cannon. Hoi hoi, how's it going? <laughs> it's wonderful after that uh, mellow intro. Like, really sets the mood. You know, I, uh, well, I was shocked to hear you hadn't seen Inside Lewin Davis, because um, it's a very good movie, and I know you're a Coen Brothers fan, so maybe that, that song will uh, inspire you to go watch it. Yeah, I think I have three or four of their movies that I've just not been a good human and haven't, <laughs> and haven't seen. Only uh, good humans watch Coen Brothers movies. So. I think so. I think that's true. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it, it could be. That could be another podcast. I think we could fill one talking about it. Uh, what we got going on is a couple weeks late for the movie, but it's for good reason. <laughs> We got some Age of Apocalypse to talk about. That's and, right. Uh, we had discussed this as a potential story to go back. We talked about it a while ago, and then uh, we didn't really do our due diligence at that time, <laughs> and uh, didn't realize that depending on what source you look at, it's between thirty-nine and forty-five comics <laughs> to to read all of Age of Apocalypse. It's a beast, man. Like, I, in my head, like, thinking back on my childhood when these were coming out, I was like, oh, yeah, there was, like, a, they did, like, one issue of each comic and gave it a different name. You know, I was thinking, oh, it was, like, ten comics or something. Like, most of the other crossovers back then were pretty small. And, uh, yeah, when we started looking at the list of what you're supposed to read, and we didn't even read everything, but we read, we read the main Age of Apocalypse story that came out in whatever it was, 92 or whatever it was. Um, and it's, it's definitely a beast, man. I, I would say out of all the things we've read, this was the one that, that kind of just seemed like it went on for a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we obviously, we'll talk about the movie as well, but the yes. comic is, uh, is priority cause we're fucking back issues. Yes. Uh, yes. As usual, there will be spoilers, but, uh, yeah, we'll start with the comic and then maybe, uh, towards the end wrap up with our thoughts on the movie. Um, I guess the first thing I was curious about, did, did you own any of these comics before or had you read any of them before uh i don't think so and when i for some reason we had discussed beforehand that i had bought a trade of age of apocalypse but mm. that was actually apocalypse the 12 and so it's totally different <laughs> like absolutely oh, no crossover between the two <laughs> uh and so i don't think i had any of these issues or had read any of these uh and it's so different from any standard timeline that I feel like I would have read that and then remembered going, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. I, I remember when it was coming out, we were all very confused but excited about because So I guess, well, we'll get into the story, but kind of briefly <laughs> what happened was 
Marvel made this big crossover event in the 90s between all the X books, uh, of which there was many at the time. And yes. um, each book changed its name as it went into this alternate timeline of the Age of Apocalypse, which is an alternate future where Apocalypse has kind of taken over the United States and, uh, you know, the, the teams are different people and there's new mutants, uh, not the new mutants, but there's new mutants introduced. Um, so they changed all the comic series. So, you know, what was X-Men became the Amazing X-Men. What was Uncanny X-Men became the Astonishing X-Men. X-Factor became Factor X, which is probably the dumbest name of all of them. Um, you know, Generation X became Generation Next. Um, there was a Weapon X comic instead of a Wolverine comic. Excalibur was spelled differently. Um, and then there was some new stuff like X-Man and Gambit and the Externals. Um, when, when it came out, I definitely bought a few of the issues because I was really into Joe Matarera's art on uh, Uncanny X-Men. So I was already getting that. And then I bought a couple issues of Generation Next because um, I was really into that artist as well, uh, Chris Bacallo. And that was kind of one of the fascinating things for me flipping through was reading what people, like what names I recognized, you know, from 94, 95 or, you know, mid early nineties. Not everybody has uh, persevered. (laughs) (laughs) They have not. Not not everybody still made it. Uh, I thought it was interesting and maybe it was just my bias, but it felt like on issues that were like really key issues to what was happening. Mark Wade was always credited with dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of, it seemed like he was sort of the script doctor for this whole event. Like editors cooked up this whole crazy thing. And Mark Wade came in and kind of said, well, we got to make this actually make sense. <laughs> and Scott Lobdell's and, going, no, I'm going yeah. to be crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, when the, the two driving forces behind the crossover are Lobdell and uh, Fabian Nicieza, that's not a good sign. So. Um, but there are some really cool artists on these books Um, you know Joe Matarera is on it uh, on on Astonishing X-Men Chris Bacallo or Bacallo he's on Generation Next and I think this is his best stuff I liked him early in his career I think he had a little better storytelling you had Adam and Andy Kubert on two different books Steve Skros who went on to storyboard the Matrix films um and then it's really weird, like the two end books, uh, Alpha and Omega, are done by this, this uh, and I'm not going to be nice here, but this total hack artist uh, <laughs> who just copied uh, Joe Matarera's style. I mean, he was probably told to by editorial, but man, he's brutal. He swipes left and right, like traces comic panels from other stuff, God. which is real bad. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, oh my uh. gosh. Yeah, there's some. I think it was a uh, Kubert did the uh, uh, the the Weapon X. Yeah, and, that's Adam, and then Andy did the Amazing X Men. Yeah, the uh, the Weapon X stuff, man. Some of Wolverine's mane is <laughs> just fucking mesmerizing. Like, it's crazy. I just, I'm just like, this is because that was one of the things reading it. I was like, this is like to me, kind of the pinnacle of '90s art. Some of oh this. yeah, like this is just like everything proportions be damned <laughs> like people yeah. are looking crazy the, the costumes are crazy i mean they're totally insane the the costume designs they come up with it's really funny to say but the most subdued costume designs and character designs in the book in the whole crossover are probably joe Matarera's designs which is really crazy to say <laughs> when you think of his career since then but like his designs for astonishing x-men are really good like i like rogue's outfit he's he designed blink which became kind of a fan favorite um 
the Sunspot guy or whatever his name is. He's cool. I liked the Morph, the way he did Morph. Yeah, Morph was cool. And Terry yeah. Dodson did some work on the series too. Yeah, Terry Dodson was roped into this. It somehow. looks nothing like the art that you've seen in any modern issue with Terry Dodson. Yeah, it's really weird to see. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I was excited to come back to it um, just because, you know, I knew some of these artists were involved. Um, I don't know that... <laughs> I don't know that I ended up, I don't know, we, we, I, overall impressions, maybe I, we'll get into later, but, but it was a bit of a slog getting through this. Um, I do think we should try for our listeners to sort of explain what happens in Age of Apocalypse. Because uh, that'll also help us if we talk about what happens in the movie right. uh, later. Uh, so, I don't know, you, you start. Like, <laughs> what is Age of Apocalypse? Well, first off, for those that have seen the movie, it is a classic example of branding having nothing to do with each other yeah i don't it has almost nothing to do with i i don't know if i can think of a single i don't aside from apocalypse being a character uh i don't think that there's a single comparison between the two stories so that's throw that out weird because they had they had blink in the last movie yeah who was created during age of fox she's not in this movie actually the last movie felt more like age of apocalypse the days of future past and less well, like Days of Future Past, the comic, which we did on an earlier episode. <laughs> yes. And so the the crux of Age of Apocalypse is that at some point in time, Xavier threw himself in front of Magneto and was killed. Yes. And as a result, a domino effect throughout time. The most important, I guess, the two most important things, Magneto now is a crusader for Xavier's mission. And so he's not all about homo superior. He's about cohabitation on this planet. Mm-hmm. And the secondary part of it is that Xavier doesn't get to teach Jean Grey. She doesn't become Phoenix. She doesn't like all of these, all these powerful mutants don't come to play because of Xavier's teachings. And that allows apocalypse to rise to power. That's actually a, wow. That's you did a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> you sound shocked. Have I not yeah, done a good I, job I, before? I, Cause I was like, I don't know. It, it, there's so many ins and outs. I mean, but that is the story, basically. And so, well, okay. So, yeah. So, from there, you know, we're, we're in this t- timeline. And, again, Bishop, the poor SOB, is just thrown into the middle of this. <laughs> but so, so basically, um, they all find out that, you know, they have to get to this um, crystal so they can basically, I guess, go back in time to this alternate timeline to stop this all from happening which I guess also is going to end up deleting everybody from the, that, the, the Age of Apocalypse timeline. And so henceforth, you know, if they go back in time, Apocalypse will have never taken over and, you know, we'll be all good. Um, but not everybody's going about it the same way. Like there's all these side missions. So each book kind of has its own story. I think you could probably, if you had been buying them at the time, you probably could have read just you know, if you were reading X-Men, you could have just read Amazing X-Men and kind of got the gist of the story as long as you read the Alpha and Omega. Yeah. Because, like, the X-Men and Factor X and Gambit and the Externals, they all kind of have their own missions. It's sort of like um, they all get, you know, uh, not sent by one person, but they all decide to go on these different missions to bring about the end of Apocalypse's reign. Not all of them are aware of the whole time travel thing. Like, like Wolverine's going to drop an atomic bomb on him or something, you know? These yeah. other people are, uh, X-Man is basically like, well, I'm tough. I'm going to go fight Apocalypse. 
Um, these other people are trying to get to the crystal so they can go back in time. Um, and, 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 and that's kind of cool. I liked that each team kind of had their own mission. Um, and then they kind of run into each other at different points throughout. Um, you know, and, and, and so, of course, the other interesting thing about this is all these characters you know and love have been sort of redesigned, and some of them are almost completely different people. Like, they have different personalities because of the different events that happen to them yeah. throughout their life. You know, one example being uh, Jean Grey ends up being with Wolverine, and she gets in a fight, or they, they, him and um, Cyclops get in a fight because Cyclops is working for Sinister, and Sinister is working for Apocalypse. Or and, so we think. Or so we think, right? <laughs> uh, and so, so Wolverine and, and, and uh, Cyclops fight, and Wolverine gets his hand blown off, and Cyclops gets his eye torn out. And so like they have a kind of a, a rivalry that's taken to another level than it is in, say, the, uh, the regular timeline. But there's a lot of different kind of characterizations. I mean, um, I don't know what were some of the ones that stuck out to you of like characters you liked, and then seeing this interpretation of them in the Age of Apocalypse. Uh, so yeah, obviously everybody's just a little different. Um, one of the coolest things, and it doesn't happen until way late in the series, is they have an X Universe book that yep. they explore all these characters that like. Because at one point I was like, so where the fuck's the Hulk? <laughs> like where's, yeah. <laughs> where's where you know there's there's shit going down there, these people are going to be involved and uh and so i liked a lot of the takes on uh on guys like uh like tony stark and the fantastic four uh hulk was kind of weak as far as the way they did it like yeah you know, he's not weak but it's just kind of a weird way that they handled him uh i did like the daredevil the Mur matt murdoch turn that was cool. He's kind of like, um, I don't know, how would you describe what he's doing in that scene? Uh, he's, essentially there's a, a machine. They have a machine hooked up to an empath. I can't remember who it was, but uh, they're using the machine to project emotion over a city to cause riots. Yeah, yeah. And Matt Murdock is kind of just the... The, making sure that that guy's putting out the right vibes was kind of the, yeah. the main thing I got from it. Uh, you know, making sure that everyone wants to kill themselves and kill everyone around them down below. Um, but he's just kind of a, uh, a pawn just like everybody else in this. He's just got a role to play and he's, uh, he's, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do as far as uh, continuing the chaos of apocalypse. What did you think of, um, so in generation X, which became generation next, um, Colossus becomes the leader. Yeah. And, um, I actually found his whole, that book, that whole book, but especially his character to be one of the more interesting parts of the whole crossover because he's, you know, uh, you know, he, he's driven by a few things. Like he's the leader of generation next, which is, you know, chamber and, uh, I don't know, a bunch of other people, Mondo, all these kind of cool characters that everyone's forgotten about. <laughs> and, and uh, but at the same time, his his sister is one of the keys to defeating Apocalypse, and she gets kidnapped, and he wants to get her back. And well, he thinks she's you know. dead for almost the entire story. Yeah, and then yeah. like for for most of his life, he thinks she's dead. Yeah, and he finds out she's alive, and and it's almost like he 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 falls apart in some ways, and he makes some bad decisions that he has to live with. And I don't know, I just felt like they did the most kind of interesting character things in that book and, and with his character because you know you want to root for him and you know he's strong but he keeps making these decisions that you're not so sure about 
and I'm a little biased because I'm a Colossus fan. Yes. And I always feel like Colossus never gets his due. And this book, I feel like he had a really cool arc, but it also felt underused. Sure. And one of the interesting things, I guess the way I interpreted it was that his sister dies. He becomes callous. He becomes calculating. You know, he just basically removes emotion from his life. Yeah. And then when he finds out she's alive again, he's entirely driven by emotion. Yeah. And that's why he's, he's fucking up all over the place is because he's, he doesn't know how to act because the one thing that defined his life has changed and it, you know, just totally spins him on his axis. I kind of dug his costume redesign too. He has sort of like a bandana over his eyes and like a sash. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And he just seems his metal is less clean, I guess, in the way he was drawn. He almost had like an Omega red, like (laughs) level of weirdness to his metal, like the tentacles on uh, Omega red. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, he was, you know, I think Generation Next was really cool. And I mean, part of it is, you know, that creative team, I think, was really good. And, you know, those characters, you know, I think had less um, history. So they were allowed to do more fun things with them. Whereas as soon as you have Wolverine, Jean Grey and Cyclops in a situation, you know, it it just feels like a story we've seen a hundred times, you know, of this kind of love triangle kind of a thing. And that that kind of stuff got a little boring to me. Although I I thought Wolverine was pretty cool in this. Um, you know, he uh, I just remember when I was a kid seeing that cover for the first time, and I'm like, "Whoa, Wolverine! He got his hand blown off! Oh my gosh!" You know, and <laughs> and then you you know you pick up Astonishing X Men. It's like, "Whoa, Sabretooth's one of the X Men! That's crazy!" And his character was really interesting as well. The the Sabretooth character has also quite an arc. I think um, he starts off as a bad guy. And then by the end, he's sort of a martyr. Yeah, he definitely uh, was it. Blink was kind of you know he, yeah. his uh, his protege. Uh, yeah, it was kind of like weird. the Age of Apocalypse version of Wolverine and Jubilee, I think. Yeah, and then obviously we totally haven't even talked about the fact that Rogue and Magneto have a child together. Named yeah, Charles. Rogue and Magneto are a thing. And Gambit is all dejected because he couldn't have Rogue. Which that was kind of cool because in the. In the regular X-Men series, it's always kind of like Gambit's kind of like Pepe Le Pew. He always wants to get with her, but she was always like running away. But there was not any sort of reason for her not to be with him other than afraid of her touch. Right. But in this one, I mean, she's full on with Magneto. I mean, they had a baby and the baby's important, obviously. Um, Seems like all the kids are the most important parts of this uh, this whole thing. I did have a little bit of issue trying to think about whether or not a sperm cell could live inside of her or if she would just absorb the the life force from it before it could impregnate her. But that's well or even wouldn't she take the life of well, the child of the well, baby? Yeah. That's I, interesting. My thought was if it got to that point then her body must be allowing it to live. But yeah. the sperm I just thought would die immediately and then she'd be acting like magneto sperm. She'd just be like swimming. <laughs> She'd be around. wiggling around in the crowd, <laughs> like running herself into down like a toilet. Tears and stuff. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> but that, I mean, it's pretty interesting that they have like. Um, I, I I like the way they. I don't know. A lot of these crossovers at this point in time, I, I I'm completely uninterested. Right. I mean, we've talked about before. I'm almost completely disconnected from Marvel and DC and their big books and. And I still have a soft spot be. for the X-Men, but um, 
I don't know, this one for me, the fact that they did it as sort of, it's almost like a what if book, but taken across a whole thing. Like what if Professor X had died and Magneto became the leader of the X-Men and Apocalypse came. It's like, it's like three what ifs thrown together. Um, and I kind of liked that. I, I don't know, even though there's parts of this that are really bad, the concept works for me. I think, yeah. And so I guess, yeah, and I'm probably even more for it than it sounds like you were. Then a lot of it came down to the kind of the, the shock of going back to the 90s and reading comics. And, <laughs> and and I just, I don't know if it's maybe the way writers were trying to combat the Marvel method, mm. but there's a lot of fucking words. There's so many words. And, and the the experience, and, and I don't even necessarily think that they're bad, but there's definitely a little bit of like self-filating with the, which is like. Well, there's so many like, you know, the 90s were so guilty of every character had to say a cool line like every other page. Yeah, a cool line. And then you couldn't just have like they were kind of narrated excessively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like a cool action sequence ha- on like this Wolverine Weapon X book I keep bringing up. But uh there's like a five pay panel action sequence of Wolverine chopping a dude in half. And yeah. there's eight internal dialogue boxes and they just take up every open space in the fucking art. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, and you know, some of it is necessary, but it's just uh, a lot of excessive, uh, excessive words. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, uh, so it was a little hard to kind of trudge through that, but overall, I kind of en- I, I enjoyed it. I, I it was a lot to read. Had maybe we had maybe I've been reading it a couple issues a week uh, as it came out, it would have been less daunting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but overall, I I was in I was I was in for the ride. Like I want to know where it was going. There was some really cool stuff in it, right? I mean, I think that I like the concept. I I think that there's some really cool early days of some cool artists. There's a couple of good writers on this. I mean, Larry Hama was on uh, Weapon yeah. X. Uh, he used to do all the G.I. Joe stuff. Uh, he's really good. Um, they also had um, Warren Ellis uh, writing Excalibur, which that book had some cool ideas. I felt like it was censored a lot. Um, yeah. You know, it just seemed like he was going for crazy things like sex things, and he was trying to make Nightcrawler like super badass. Like, like when Nightcrawler like grabs that guy's fingers and then teleports and teleports yeah. the guy's fingers off. I was he like, did it to somebody's dude. head too. Yeah. He does it with the guy's head. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Which so is badass. Yeah. I think there's some really cool stuff in here. There's like, like fun stuff that you get to see characters do. You wouldn't have gotten to see him do in the regular Marvel universe. Oh, he kills um, Deadpool. That's who it was. Yeah. He does kill Deadpool. That's Deadpool's, whose head he took. I did like that Deadpool is a complete loser in this book series. <laughs> that might like be my favorite They thing. just keep him alive for – what are they keeping him alive for? I, I thought it was just to, the one chick just got off on killing him or like get, got off was, on yeah. hurting him. Yeah, like and literally an got off on it. <laughs> yeah, like Excalibur had that kind of stuff. Like this woman was a sadist and so she just had Deadpool around so she could just torture him and he wouldn't die. Um, it, it, you know, So yeah, I think that there was some really good stuff in it. Um, some cool art on some issues. Um, one of the things I was reminded of other than just the 90s was, and I knew this, you know, I know this, but sometimes it doesn't crystallize in your mind every day, but X-Men is totally, it's just a soap opera. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's 100%. <laughs> it's like watching Days of Our Lives or All My, Ch- or, um, 
uh, Dallas or something, you know, like it's, it's, um, it's all about these relationships. And yeah, there's action in it. And I think that they mix the action in really good. But really, at the end of the day, it's about people falling in love or falling out of love. Or it's being all hurt relationship. Or, yeah. Yeah, it's all relationships. And it's really weird because in a way, you know, now, like, like if I had really, like when I, when I think about that five, ten years ago, I'm like, yeah, that's why X-Men's stupid. And, but now when I think about it now, I'm like, you know, I want to go back and read all the old soap opera X-Men stuff. I, I, something about me now, I'm just intrigued by that kind of human drama. Um, and X-Men has it in spades, right? I mean, there's, there's so many different uh, character interactions and character, um, you know, like I said, like love triangles or, or, or um, you know, all this sort of, uh, you know, ups and downs of, of life. <laughs> And, uh, and I did enjoy that as well. I think that they tried too hard to have too many elements going on with this crossover. I wish that it had just been, you know, a, a little easier to understand what everyone was doing. Um, yeah. Like I said, if you, if, if you were reading one book, that was great for that. Like if you just wanted to read your one book. But if you're trying to read all of it the way we did... It, it just became kind of a tangled mess, and I had a real hard time staying involved like with, with the actual events that were going on. And I think that the easiest way to have reduced that is to, if they would have either had the mutant rebellion and uh, the humans just be on the same team, it probably would have made it clearer. But like the human resistance was was a separate entity that eventually I think Wolverine goes and joins. But, uh, that kind of, that, I think to me, that was like the one not as necessary. Cause like they had the whole, you know, the whole trying to bomb apocalypse out of, uh, you know, all the way to hell, which was cool. And there was, you know, some cool shit with Wolverine and Pierce. Yeah, uh, that was awesome. But, uh, in the end, story-wise just for complexity, I think that if they would have combined, uh, you know, Magneto's team with that, it would have been a little easier to follow. Like, instead of it just being totally separate, being like, okay, we're going after him on this front, you can go after him on this front, but we're pooling our resources. Yeah, and the whole, like, it, it almost seemed like it would have been cooler if there was, yeah, like you said, just why make the humans and mutants hate each other still? It's like Apocalypse wants them all dead. Like, there's no reason for them to, to hate each other still. They should, they should join together. And there was some other things that were kind of, um, I don't know, maybe they're fun, but maybe they're cheesy. I haven't decided how I feel about things <laughs> like, like Angel has heaven and it's like a nightclub. Yeah. And everybody goes, like the, the cool mutants and humans go to this nightclub. And I'm kind of like, when that happened, I was like, the whole country is like destroyed. Apocalypse is murdering people left and right. They're saying literally billions of bodies are around and people are hanging out at heaven, this nightclub. I mean, I guess that's realistic, but it just seemed kind of like when it happened, I thought I was reading the wrong book for a second. And he's like the only one. <laughs> like yeah. he's, he's the only game in town and he's playing both sides and they all know he's fucking each other. Like it, the angel thing was weird. Uh, and it, in the end, I was satisfied with the way his his angle on it ended. But what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, well, he kind of ends up doing a like an Independence Day ending and like flies into a thing or something, right, to blow up something. I don't yeah, know. he totally goes Independence Day. That's a yeah. perfect way of putting it. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I think that, that uh, the other thing that the other book I enjoyed, so I, I liked Weapon X. I thought it had some cool, like, tough guy Wolverine stuff. Um, I thought Astonishing X-Men found that really cool balance between drama, but then they had Morph, who was really funny and constantly joking and doing these cartoon, like, you know, I guess voices in a way. Um, and then I thought um, um, uh, Generation Next, which I was talking about earlier, is the other one that I was just like, really really dug it like really weird characters really weird character designs for the good guys and the bad guys um and just these strange moments and the team was one of the only teams that had tons of sacrifices i mean almost everybody dies yeah. <laughs> from generation next i mean uh, apocalypse kind of leaves them behind and they all a lot of them just get totally toasted which is really cool i, I like that bravery because if you're in an alternate universe who cares like why does the, any of these characters need to live through to the end? I mean, it's all going to get demolished anyway when they go back in time. Yeah, I guess I wasn't keeping track of which books people were dying. But yeah, there was like the body count was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, these characters are dying. Uh, I'm trying to think. I did enjoy some of the, and I almost wish, again, it's for as long as it was for me to wish that they had gone further into detail of anything is insane. <laughs> but uh I did. I kind of liked the weird shit going on with Cyclops and Havoc. Uh, oh yeah, they're, they're like the brothers. Rivalry. Yeah, they're brothers, but like they he uh, Havoc resents him, and yeah. it just gets crazy. Uh, and I liked the Nathan Summers. I, I was a Summers uh, Summers family fan in this. Well, uh, I was. That's what I was going to ask you about because the some of the characters that were brand new for this. I mean, we should talk about a few of them, right? Um, I mean, the, the most prominent of which being X Man, which was uh, is it, it's not Nate. What's his? It's summer. What's it? Summers something it, Summers. It's Nathan Summers. Nathan Summers. So is it supposed to be Cable? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So Cable. <laughs> I guess that is Cable. Yeah. Okay. And he just doesn't have, have the techno organic virus, and just like true. you know, he's totally different. He's just a powerful telepath because he doesn't have to use a large portion of his power to prevent the virus from taking over his body. Cause that's, so I guess the that's his current new, inhibition. Okay. So the only new characters would be blink wild child. Well, no, there's a wild yeah, child was, in the regular universe. And then, um, what's his name? Holocaust, right? Yeah. I think Holocaust is brand new. Who was a really cool design as well. Yeah. He kind of, he definitely leveled up throughout the series. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there were weird time jumps at the beginning. I guess I didn't even really, register that now but like the timeline seemed to jump weird for the first few issues yeah and then it fully caught up to the shit going down yeah well and so back to x-man they kind of make x-man out to be you know cable i guess out to be sort of the the, the only person who can stop apocalypse yeah um, like really defeat him and what i liked about that book was that his mentor is my dog forge <laughs> um you know i love forge and the fact that forge is in it and he's like basically a cyborg I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, and it was just you know kind of another nod to his character. Because um, did they even really deal with his mental ability or uh, his mutant ability? Like, or is that I just mean, he made all that shit for his body? Yeah, they say that he can make stuff and then he can figure out tech stuff. I don't. You don't see him do a lot of it, but they do mention it. Right. Um, he ends up just like most people in the '90s, just shooting guns at people. So yeah, which is legit. I don't know. I I, I now it's interesting. I didn't think that the whole arc with Summers was that he just seemed like they were trying to be like, 
I don't know, he seemed to me to be the one that was most, oh, he's an extreme hero. And like, this is a teenager, he's angsty and he's got leather jacket and he seems to be the most kind of cheesy of all of them to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I still liked him, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to argue that he was, he was or wasn't cheesy. Uh, But yeah, I just, I, uh, I, I, I'm a sucker for cable. We've talked about this. That's true. You are a sucker for cable. And, and, and it's funny. I didn't even, it's hard to even think of him as cable now that I'm thinking about it, like him as a kid um, or like as a kind of a teenager. And he thinks he's super awesome. Like he, he's telling Forge, he's like, I can do it. I'm the best. It reminds me of Luke Skywalker or something. Well, yeah. And it's weird because and that's actually probably a pretty apt comparison because he isn't allowed to use his powers because Forge is like, you're going to fucking show up on the radar and the thing Apocalypse fears is telepaths. So mm-hmm. knock it off. Yeah. And of course, like every idiot, he, <laughs> he can't help himself. So he takes, he starts fucking shooting off with his powers, realizing how powerful he truly is. And then he's like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'll just destroy him. And it's like, yeah, just like that kid. You're just going to fucking walk in and destroy the guy that has control over pretty much all of the world. Yeah. in that cockiness was sort of, um, I don't know. I just didn't like him. <laughs> I it's, didn't like him. I don't it know that I've ever seen. Book, though. I think it had some good art in it. I don't know that I've ever seen a depiction of Cable where he's cocky. Yeah, that's the thing. It didn't. And maybe that's why I had a hard time associating him with Cable. Like Cable always seemed to be, I don't know. Well, we talked about Soldier X, you know, in the past. And we've also talked about, you know, other Cable runs. He always seems to either be totally in control or, or more calculating. But yeah. I guess. That's interesting that they're showing him as a younger, reckless person. I don't know. You know, you got to make your mistakes yeah. and get refined. I think the, the the least interesting book to me out of the whole series is probably Gambit and the Externals. Yeah, I kind of... I It wouldn't be an X-Men series story without me if they didn't end up in the fucking Shi'ar Empire. Oh, man. <laughs> I, you know, and I never liked the Shi'ar. I don't know why people find them interesting. I like... I don't necessarily the like them, but they're there them. all the time. Like, uh, it's just, oh, we're going to go out to space now. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing, X-Men? Yeah. Get it together. Well, and the artist on that one is another guy that... It's uh, Salvador La Roca, who... It's weird. I actually like his art here better than the stuff he does now. I think the stuff he does now is almost too flat. But... Maybe the reason I didn't like Gambit and the Externals is that it's basically it's filled with the worst X Men characters all in one book. I mean, you got, I mean, yeah. Gambit's okay. You've got Jubilee, who most people hate. You've got Richter, who is the worst. You've got Guido. Guido's dumb. You've got like these just terrible characters that nobody cares about, and um, they're supposed to be sort of the uh, I don't know, kind of like the underground resistance part of the book. And Guido's uh, turn. I I didn't, it, didn't buy make any it. Sense. it didn't work for me. Yeah. I thought it was it, it was necessary to have like a betrayal at that point in the story. Like that yeah. made sense, but the way he went about it, it was like oh, they forced me to. And it's like you idiot. Really? You've been fighting this resistance forever and now you're going to let him get to you, especially <laughs> when you know that the end game is to erase this history. So who the fuck mm-hmm. cares what they're going to do to you? <laughs> like yeah. get it yeah. together. Yeah, it, it was it was very um it just seemed like, yeah, it seemed like it didn't fit the character. It just was, oh, we need this to happen right now. And there was a, a little bit of that in every book, a little bit of the, well, we got to get from point A to point B so that we can get to the end of this. Um, 
the other thing is that I didn't like actually the the alpha and omega and and those that they tried to almost do way too much in one book and I, I it, you know I, again I think that they should have made the story less complicated so those books were really just there to bookend it not build an entire world right I yeah. mean the world building could have happened in each issue and on top of that you had the, the really just terrible terrible art in those um, yeah it's not I, the best I did like the X universe thing um, I don't think you know it, it I, I don't. I don't think I like you know the art and stuff very much. But it was cool to see you know what what are the Fantastic Four up to. Um, I don't know if you saw, but there was a little. Uh, they told you what happened to the Punisher in it. Yeah, it, it was at the end. It was he was was he dead or was he MIA? He was dead. So he after his family got killed in this universe, he goes to live with monks, and then the monk temple gets like you know destroyed. Okay. Yeah. I, I had read the. I read some of those. There was somebody else that was right next to him in that list that I think was MIA. Uh, and that was the X universe thing was like a weird, like, Oh yeah, this is the fourth horseman who we haven't really dealt with. Um, <laughs> and he's just manipulating people. No big deal. Yeah. I mean, and, and, yeah, I didn't like their take on the Hulk either. And yeah, the, the, there was no story. I feel like the only reason they had the X, the universe one was just to say, Oh, well you liked what we're doing with the X-Men with this alternate universe. Don't you want to see the Hulk here too? Yeah. Um, they knew that they'd draw other people in to be like, Ooh, what's going on? But it yeah, also it was just a fun had, thing. It, yeah, it had a better like the like the high council membership roster thing where you talked about it has like all these other characters. Like here's here's some story on these other people. Here's a paragraph, and then it has a map of everything that's going on at the back of it too, like the tactical map. And uh, I was like, wow, that's more geographical placement than just about any of this other shit's put into it. Yeah. Yeah, it 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 did kind of have that um when you you know those like source books for games or whatever. It had that yeah. kind of a feel for it. Yeah, for uh, sure. Or even the comics that used to do that. Um so so after, you know, I I well what what ends up happening is they, you know, they win. <laughs> uh they go back and and uh Professor X is fine and uh the Age of Apocalypse doesn't happen and Apocalypse gets totally like destroyed by uh Cable. And, uh, you know, kind of everybody wins except for they all die in that timeline. Um, or I guess they don't die. They just don't exist anymore. Right. And then after that, there's sort of a book that's supposed to bring you back to the normal Marvel universe called uh, X-Men Prime. And I don't Did you read that? Uh, I got like halfway through it and it was late. <laughs> I didn't finish it. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know why any of this matters because it's all happened. It seems like they're kind of saying, okay, guys, we're going to get back to normal. You know, so if you hated it, we're back. And if you liked it, you know, we're not. Um, the interesting thing in this is that it took each part of the storyline, had a different artist do it. And okay. um, there was some classic, you know, some, some cool old school guys in there. Um, some people that went on, like Brian Hitch does some stuff in there. He went on to do, um, you know, the Ultimates, which was the basis for pretty much all the Avengers stuff. Um, and his stuff in this is really good. I don't know. Like it's almost like he was better back then than he is now. Uh, it's got like Mike McCone, who's been around forever. His stuff's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it just seems sort of like a weird bookend of like, not even a bookend, more like a, a reset. Hey guys, everything's back. It's fine. Uh, except Cable shows up in the, and, and of course Bishop shows up from the alternate timeline. So there's a little bit of a rift where some of the people from the alternate timeline show up in the, the current Marvel universe. 
I think Blink ends up being a regular Marvel character after this too, right? Yeah, I think so. And then that was one of the things I talked about. There were some issues that uh, that some people say count or don't count towards it. Uh, and I think there was five Blink issues that yeah. were made in like 2002 or 2003 that tie into Age of Apocalypse. So it must have been just shit Blink was up to in the interim that they wanted to give the character a push. <laughs> so they put well, those out. Or, you know, I think what might have happened is I think a lot of people liked her but maybe she didn't come back into the marvel universe till later like as a regular character okay maybe maybe i'm wrong i don't know yeah i just thought it was interesting that there was like two early 2000s books that tied into age of apocalypse it didn't seem to make sense to me yeah yeah she's a great design though she's a cool character i thought she was neat yeah uh she obviously she she does a lot but not very much (laughs) she's important she's essential to the story uh, I thought her fight with Holocaust was really cool. Yeah. And the, the, the saber tooth Holocaust fight was awesome too. Yeah. Um, Holocaust was yeah, I don't kind know. of a highlight for the whole, you know, yeah. most of the shit he was involved in was pretty badass. He, yeah, it totally was. And he had a cool design. I almost wish apocalypse had had more action. Like it's kind of, everyone's talking about apocalypse, but you don't see him do a lot. Like he's got all these other people fighting for him. And so that, a lot of it is like X-Men on X-Men action. It's not like, you know, Apocalypse fighting all the X-Men. And that kind of segues into a little bit of conversation about the movie. So Yeah, we should the movie. One sure. of the things that, you know, in on that note, uh, my brother, Jamie, was like, if Apocalypse is so badass, why doesn't he just do all this shit himself? <laughs> and in the movie, he definitely does more. But in the book, they do a really good job of portraying the fact that he's kind of all about the gamesmanship of it. Like mm. it's, it's, it's a test. He wants people to rise. He wants to know who's the most powerful survival, of the fittest, all that. And in the comic, he very much is kind of, he's controlling shit, but he also, you know, he's looking forward to somebody betraying him. Well, I feel like, yeah, his whole thing is that he wants to enact almost the purest form of survival of the fittest. Right. So, right. He, he wants these people to work for him and fight other people and see other people fight to see who's strong enough to survive. And I'm sure that if anybody tried to fight him, he'd wipe them out and be like, well, they weren't strong enough. But if people want to join him instead of fighting against him, maybe he sees that as sort of a, a choice to become, to side with the strongest, which is, again, a survival technique. Right. It's kind of like grouping together with the, you know, the, the, you know, becoming friends with Debo or something, you know, it's like, well, Debo's a <laughs> Debo. big dude. You got to be friends with Debo. So yeah, I, it, I've it, had it, tiny friends my whole life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You wonder why I'm your friend, man, because I was like, <laughs> that's the biggest guy on campus. I'm going to be friends with him. You know, I probably was. <laughs> that's oh, you pro- definitely were at art school, man. You're yeah, definitely the biggest school. person there. Fucking giant lineman walking around art school. <laughs> I never, I never really thought of that, but there's probably in like some of the the friends that I made while I was there. There's probably a certain amount of that. I know. Uh, yeah. Either way, but that's that's totally an aside. But that's pretty funny. Um, but anyway, yeah. So the movie. Uh, when did you end up seeing it? Uh, I saw it. The Wednesday after opening week, I think. Okay, okay. Yeah, I saw it. I think I saw it opening weekend. I didn't go like on Friday or anything, like at midnight, but I saw it pretty quick, I think, just because we wanted to go to the movies and it was out and we wanted to see it. Um, you know, I, I, um, I like the X Men movies for the most part. Um, the yeah. first one's a little clunky. The second one, I think, is great. 
I, I still think it's great. A lot the of people say it doesn't one, age well, but I think it aged pretty good. The second one, in my opinion, is one of the best comic book movies ever. Yeah, I agree. It's, and it's the really opening good. sequence to that second one with Nightcrawler oh, so, is, so I will never forget seeing that in the theater. Because I just it just fucking blew me away. Definitely. The rest of the movie could have been dog shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and then the third one is terrible. Everybody knows that. There's actually a joke in Age of Apocalypse yes. about how bad the third one is. Yes. I was like, what a cheap shot. Come on. I know, right? They like look at the camera, wink, wink. The third one sucks. You know? It was so stupid. It was pretty bad. And there was no reason for that scene. It was literally they went to the movies so they could say that joke. There was like no reason for them to be yeah, there. Yeah, they just needed to be somewhere. And so they were yeah. walking out of Jedi, I think it was. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the third one's always the worst. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and then there was First Class, which I, a lot of people like. I don't, I don't love that one. It's, it's better than the third one. And then uh, Days of Future Past, I liked a lot. Probably my yeah. second favorite X-Men movie. And then this one, I think, was a lot of fun. Probably not nearly as good as those other two. Um, and then, of course, there's X-Men Origins Wolverine, which, you know... Maybe as fun to watch as a drinking game, but no other reason. <laughs> and then the Wolverine was, I, I liked the Wolverine. I thought it was fun. It was cool. I, I think we might have talked about this before. For me, Wolver, the Wolverine is awesome. Yeah. And then there's a scene where he gets strung up by all the arrows. Yeah. And that's awesome. And everything after that doesn't fit. I know. I've always just assumed that the studio took a look at the cut of the movie and was like, we need this sand sequence to be bigger. And, well, and, and wouldn't it have nuts. been cooler if he fought like 200 ninjas? <laughs> yeah. Like, That's what I wanted. I wanted that Frank Miller cover on screen of him like fighting the ninjas yeah. and chains wrapped around. That would have been so cool. Yeah. But anyway. E- either way. Yeah. That movie, really, really great for me except for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so yeah. So I, I went into it kind of with good expectations. I, I liked a lot of the characters. I was glad they were being Expectations. Qu- yeah, expectations. <laughs> I was glad they were bringing Quicksilver back. I was excited to see Apocalypse. I wasn't crazy about the design, but Oscar Isaac is amazing. Uh, he's a great actor. Um, and then it had Mohawk Storm. I love Mohawk, Mohawk Storm. Storm. That's right. Oh, it had. And I well, I used to love Psylocke when I was you know thirteen. I um, still do. I mean, she was all right. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, the still images when they first came out for this, I was just like, you know, I didn't really realize it, but I I see that costume and I'm just like, oh, Psylocke. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, is, it, it does bring back memories. It awakened something in me that I didn't even remember being that uh, that aggressive. I might have had a lot of Psylocke posters on my wall too, so I, I understand. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I... So I guess briefly the movie, if you haven't, I mean, if you haven't seen it, you shouldn't be listening to this, but basically in the movie, Apocalypse shows up from the past. He was buried and he starts kind of, you know, he had been ruling back in Egypt. He gets trapped from a revolt and then, which was uh, a cool Rube Goldberg way to stop Apocalypse, which I don't know how they got all that into the pyramid (laughs) in the first place. That was pretty cheesy. Um, but that's fine. The whole movie had cheese, but it was like all in service of fun. So like, yeah. who, who cares, right? I mean, it's all cheesy. I mean, you know, Civil War was cheesy. I mean, Fast and Furious is cheesy. Who cares? As long as you're having fun. Yeah. But yeah, so he comes back to the present and basically just starts reforming the Horseman of the Apocalypse, decides he's going to kill everybody, um, and the X-Men have to stop him. I mean, that's the most basic way to put it. Yeah. Uh, 
that is a pretty good synopsis of it. And throughout uh, what you're learning is is all the younger X-Men are trying to figure out how they can fight and fight together. Um, you you find out that Quicksilver is Magneto's son. I mean, you kind of find out in the last movie, even though they never actually say it to each other. Um, yeah. Quicksilver knows, but, but Magneto doesn't know. Um, there's lots of fighting. Uh, <laughs> there's lots of cool mutant power use, I think. Um, Apocalypse can sort of um, manipulate matter. And I think in the movie they did a good job of like just showing him do things very effortlessly and like sinking people into walls or making their weapons disappear, making them drop into the ground. I thought that was really cool. People keep saying they're confused about what his powers are. I'm like, what do you mean? There, it's manipulate matter. Like what, what? What's what's confusing about that? Like yeah. inorganic matter. And, and the core of it is that he can take on the powers of other mutants, and then he just gets to have those powers forever. Exactly. Like he steals their powers. And so just he's like, just been collecting powers since the beginning of time. Yeah, it's kind of like what they did with Siler in that show Heroes, which sucks. That show's terrible. But, um, but yeah, it's kind of like what Siler does. He goes around and steals powers from people. Yeah. Um, it's a thing a lot of comic books have, have done before. It's not that innovative. But, but yeah, it's, it's like um, he's kind of an awesome. I mean, Apocalypse is awesome. When he gives his speech where he's talking about like getting rid of all the weapons, no more stones, no more – man, yeah. and they're playing that, that – uh, uh, Beethoven. Oh man, it's like it was the good. coolest. It was like good. Brian Singer has these moments in all the X Men movies where he does something really, really awesome. Um, there'll be a lot of crap in his X Men movies, but then he'll have a moment like that Nightcrawler scene you were talking about, or in this one, you know, that scene, or the scene where Quicksilver's saving them all from the exploding mansion. So fun, so cool to watch. And that's a I think that's just Brian Singer in general. Like even Superman Returns, which I know you're not supposed to bring up. Uh, <laughs> there's moments like the the Gatling gun yeah, and the cool. bullet on his eyeball. And then I will forever stick up for the fucking scene with the airplane at the baseball stadium. I, yeah, that, that cool. scene fucking rocks for me. So the Singer, he could definitely put together some moments in these big movies. I, you know, Usual Suspects was good all the way through, though. Well, yeah, he's, <laughs> it's weird. With a big budget, it's almost like he knows that he's going to have some schlocky stuff in there. Yeah. And he knows that to move, a, to move a, a movie that big forward, you have to have a lot of MacGuffins and a lot of suspension of disbelief. And I feel like what I like about his movies is that they don't waste time trying to make me believe that this is actually real. Right. It's like, it's like why bother? Like, like I hate in movies – it's kind of the Batman syndrome. It's like when they try to make Batman real, I'm like, this is so not real. Just stop. Just don't even try <laughs> to spend all this time explaining how he funds everything and where he gets his bat wings and all that. I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't make any sense if you think about it. So don't make me think about it. Um, whereas this X-Men movie, like it clips along really fast, gets to the stuff you want to see people fighting mutants, using their powers, cool character design. And, you know, it does it all with the cool soundtrack and, you know, a lot of nods to X-Men history. Um, it, it is weird how we were talking about earlier that this one doesn't feel at all like the Age of Apocalypse story, but the Days of Future Past feels like the Age of Apocalypse story. I actually don't know what – this one feels like out of all the X-Men movies, the one that's the least based on the books. Yeah, because they just – they kind of – pick and chose the characters threw them together and we're like yeah. eh, it's a movie <laughs> so yeah and, and it's it's weird too the way i don't i haven't heard many people talk about this but 
Did you notice how Brian Singer also kind of like the comics doesn't seem to care what happened before with certain characters? Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, uh, Angel. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, Archangel in this. Well, uh, and sure. that's that's kind of part of the thing that they did with days of future past was it was kind of its own movie that potentially could have led into the same universe, but not and like first class and the days of future past. Uh, So once they kind of reset that timeline, then they could do whatever the fuck they want with angel. (laughs) So it doesn't true. Yeah. They kind of reset it all in the last movie, which is, it's it's pretty interesting to see. He's kind of like, now he's like, well, gloves are off. We're going to have nightcrawler come in as a kid and be part of the X-Men. And I fucking, I love Archangel. And I thought it was an interesting way that they got to the point where he needed new wings as opposed to Apocalypse just being like, yeah, I'm going to make you more badass. I'm going <laughs> to fucking rip those things off and give you new ones. Uh, yeah, it was a different take because in the in the comic when he becomes Archangel, it kind of destroys him like because he was such a pretty boy. And it kind of just – I mean because in the comic they turn him blue, which X-Men is a little heavy on blue mutants. Yeah, yeah. The blue and <laughs> Especially pink. Especially this one. Ah, the blue and pink would have been cool though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I did – it's funny because I was trying to figure out in my head in the timeline how Wolverine fits in. And I thought that – I like the way they handle Wolverine in this well, one. it kind of makes sense if you – he kind of escapes in, in Origins as well. And in that escape, the kids are about the same age as they are in this movie when he escapes. Yeah. And – the only thing, okay, so a, a minute on that Weapon X thing, right? So <laughs> should have been the coolest part of the movie. Instead, right. we have Wolverine in David Banner-style shorts, you know, <laughs> like post-Hulk-style shorts right. with the worst-looking technological, like two wires coming out of him. The, I'm like, come on, man. The this amount- is Weapon X. He should have needles sticking out of all over him. He should be naked. Like, why is he wearing, like, basketball shorts? And you just do the lighting so that you don't really see his dick. I mean, I, actually, you probably sell a lot more tickets. Show his dick. Just do it. Yeah. W- women will come. Literally. Seriously, I, well, why not have full frontal nudity like on a man? Like, why is it such a no-no thing? I mean, anyway, yeah. we but, won't go into that. But yeah, but, his helmet was weak as shit. Uh, your helmet that you made was cooler than the one in the movie. <laughs> and my helmet was not great. <laughs> <laughs> it, and well, and then they have him do some fighting, but it's not. I mean, it's it's okay. It's a little more brutal than it was. Like, uh, was it X-Men 2 where you can yeah. just see that he's not even near the people that they're getting yeah. flung on strings? Uh, like, there's, it, it's getting better, but they're still dealing so much with the skirting PG-13 and R. And, I know, it's just, it, it just like, Weapon X is one of my favorite things, you know, yeah. the comic series. And to see them take it and just turn it into, you know, two minutes of kind of lame stuff, it, I don't know, that bothered me. Yeah. Just because there's so much potential visually for a cool moment there. Like in the comic, he's, he has like a Conan moment where he's standing on a pile of bodies slaughtering people. And, and like, you know, he's got, again, he's got all these wires and needles sticking out of him. He seems like he's in pain. Whereas in this one, he just looks like Hugh Jackman. You know, he's, he's nor- just he's, feral. He's, yeah. All of his body hair trimmed neatly. He's perfectly ripped with a nice pair of fitting shorts. And it just doesn't feel... Like he's an animal the way he's well, in the comic. Well, what you don't realize is that uh, uh, Stryker developed Under Armour. Yeah. And right. that's where the compression shorts came from. He used it on all the subjects as part of the Weapon X program. Oh, man, Stryker. Stryker, <laughs> I, I found it funny, too, that Stryker is played by the, the poor man Stifler. Oh, in, my God. In a couple <laughs> <of movies. laughs> I, 
I, every time I see that guy, I'm like, why is Sean William Scott traveling in time? Like, what is happening here? That poor actor is like every job he's gotten is because you look kind of like Sean William Scott. <laughs> You're in much better condition than he is right now. Oh, man, so. seriously. Um, I enjoyed the movie, though, and I liked the kind of final fight. Um, some of the final fight, I didn't like the angel stuff. I, he didn't seem to be scary. Um, I wanted to see him shoot his uh, razor feathers more. They went out of their way to do a pretty terrible reveal of the fact that he could shoot darts out of his wings. Yeah. Like, that was poorly shot. Yeah. But yeah. then they really didn't use it at all. And yeah. yeah it, Angel, he's when he becomes Archangel, is one of my favorite, like, turns. And then he's awesome as a horseman, but he gets to keep the badass wings and everything when he becomes yeah. an X-Men again. Yeah. Uh, and so I was, yeah, I agree. I was a little disappointed in how that went down. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's really weird because there's, it's a spotty movie. I will admit that. Like, yeah. I'm not saying it's some brilliant movie. Like, I'm, it's not going to end up on my favorite films of all time. But I had a really good time watching it. But it's really spotty. There'll be a great effect, like a scene with Quicksilver, and then you'll have oh, I really forgot all about how great that scene with was. Psylocke or something. Yeah, Psylocke, her powers were poorly shot. Uh, yeah. it, it looked like she was never facing her fist the right direction for it and they just didn't use it right um yeah i was a little disappointed with that but uh they should have taken her off the wires they could have just done some on the ground fight scenes you know she's supposed to be a a ninja like not not somebody who can like fly through the air and do flips and stuff i don't know it just seemed kind of yeah i don't know you know as much as i like uh olivia moon and psylocke and you know that costume <laughs> i didn't like the fight scenes and whatnot with her so yeah she she definitely could have been used much differently but yeah the quicksilver scene at the mansion uh just just very self-indulgent on the the part of the filmmakers uh because it went on really long <laughs> but i every second of it i was i was just enjoying. i'm a sucker for it yeah i, mean, I just couldn't help since- it yeah, ever since Days of Future Past, I was like, I want to see more Quicksilver. So they gave it to us. So that's what I wanted. Yeah, oh, he was cool. And he had he had probably the best emotional arc of anybody. Yep. You know, dealing yep. with his father and all that. And that's, this, we just talked about so much about how the comic books are soap operas. Yep. But they never really allow the movies to indulge that side of it. I think it's because of the compressed timeline. Yeah. You know, what I would love to see is an X-Men TV series. Yeah. Like, like it could a, go like on a, for seasons and seasons and seasons. It like could a be next really generation good. of the X, like Star Trek Next Generation format for the X Men. I would watch that. I would <sighs> even, I would even watch it if the effects were pretty bad, just just so I could see the character dramas unfold. And the way it's done, you wouldn't even have to have that huge of a budget for the effects because yeah. it is, it's it's a lot more about diplomacy and relationships than it is about fucking punching Sentinels in the face. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to have a bunch of people with some face makeup, just like you know, next generation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Keep fucking Michael Dorn in here. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if they got the right actors, like the kind of scenes they could have between Magneto and, 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 uh, Xavier or the scenes they could have between, you know, rogue and Gambit or, or yeah. Scott and Wolverine and Jean gray. It could be a really cool drama, man. I, I think it would be, it'd be cool. Like I, I'll take that over, over Downton Abbey, you know, just give me some mutants in my drama and then I'll watch it. It's like, you're tricking me, but I know I'm being tricked. <laughs> but I know it. Yeah. It, it's funny to think that if DC owned X-Men, we would absolutely have a really good X-Men TV series. 
Well, because all DC but can the, do is make TV series. But the movies would be terrible. <laughs> so yeah. it's the trade you got to make. Yeah. I don't know. Marvel's getting a little better with their TV series. Um, as yeah, we so talked about, Daredevil was pretty good. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with Punisher. So. Yeah. The Netflix aspect of it has definitely changed the game. And uh, season two of Agents of the Shield, uh, I was enjoying it more. But uh, I didn't know you were watching that. I watched it uh, when Ian was first born. And I was like, so... I have a baby that sleeps on me all night, <laughs> so oh, yeah. I'm just going to watch this because I don't really care if I miss episodes, but uh, I could follow along. I'll catch up if I miss something. <laughs> and so season one was a little rough, but I thought it got pretty good by season two. Um, well, I guess the question is now is, um, you know, thinking about the series, w- would you recommend the comics? Would you recommend people pick it up and, and read these 40 issues? We, we bought them digitally. They were on sale. So yeah. it was still an investment. I mean, we spent, you know, what, 30, 40 bucks on these. So Yeah, they were a dollar a piece. We got 39 issues is what we covered. So yeah. uh, we split it and we shared passwords, but that's probably not something uh-huh. that they want you to know. So, <laughs> so don't do that. You can't have my password. Uh, but uh, the – yeah, yeah I, I think so. I think if you're curious, maybe dip your toes in the water. Um, you'll get, just get a, an issue or two or get a, get if find the characters you're interested in seeing the alternate version of and get the four issue series that they're primaries yeah. in and kind of see if it's something that you want to, if you want to carry on with, uh, I, I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I would, I would read the Wikipedia of it, you know, like what happens yeah. and then yeah, pick, pick a series. Well, if you were going to pick, like, say you wanted to find some of these issues on paper wh- which series would you get like if like you a, had to pick two out of here uh all right let me go back to the list here um i think weapon x i enjoyed weapon x um and then yeah that's that's a tough one i it would probably for me be between the x universe because i just even though the art wasn't that great i enjoyed those character takes uh and Astonishing X-Men and Excalibur would be kind of the runner-ups for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably, I think I'd probably lean towards Excalibur just because it got fucking weird. Like you talk about the sadist lady and Nightcrawler yeah. just fucking killing a bitch. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I want that book, but I want it to be done by Warren Ellis at a different company <laughs> where he can like do all this crazy stuff. Right, for sure. I like Warren Ellis's, right? Like I like a lot of his ideas. I read a, a, quite a few of his other books. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it would probably be, um, it's funny because I actually have some of the comics around these because I was like, my brother was reading Wolverine at the time, which became Weapon X, and I was reading Uncanny X-Men, which became uh, Astonishing X-Men. So I would probably, I think I I don't have them all, though. I'd like to fill in my Astonishing X-Men's, like get those ones, because I think Matarera does some really cool art in there. It's before he kind of went totally crazy with his designs. Um and the Generation Next stuff is really cool. Like, I, I yeah. love the art. I love the characters. I thought that was a really neat book. And I know that the creative teams on those books continue. You know, they were there before and thereafter. And the Wolverine stuff that kept going with that series with Adam Kubert is actually really cool stuff. A lot of it's the post-Adamantium uh, getting ripped out stuff after this. Mm-hmm. And um, there was some really cool stuff in that series. I, I thought it was a neat, you know, that he fought basically everybody after he gets his adamantium ripped out. It's pretty cool. God, Amazing X-Men was cool too, though, because it had the Colossus stuff. 
Uh, well, Colossus is mostly in Generation Next. Was he Generation Next? Okay. Because I know he's in the... Uh, his cool stuff was probably Generation Next. The Amazing X-Men. He's in that. Um, yeah. Shows up and they kind of say, oh, yeah, you're the guy who leads that team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably Weapon X and Generation Next now that I'm looking at it. Looking at it closer. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm changing my vote. Because, yeah, this crazy-ass art in Generation Next uh, is fucking... So bizarre, insane. It's yeah. almost a. It's almost a. Was it Sam Keith? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, he has got kind of a cartoony influence, but it's like dark. You know, yeah. lots of lots of black areas, lots of kind of characters in Chiroscuro, like shadows. Uh, really cool. I, I mean, Bacallo's great. His newer stuff is almost impossible to to follow. I can't tell what's <laughs> happening half the time. But um, some of his early stuff, I feel like he was on point. Like really cool stuff. Um, yeah, I would, yeah, so definitely, you know, maybe find the stuff you like, read the rest on Wikipedia, or, you know, we just told you what happened, so you don't have to read it. Yeah, uh, if, if you, like, it, I guess, it's before the rule where you should be able to read a comic book when you take a shit. Because that's kind <laughs> that's of the, true. the editor's kind of, your, your legs will fall asleep and you'll probably have a fucking hemorrhoid after one issue. Uh, there's a lot of reading to do, but if you want some, if you want just a fucking throwback to the nineties, this is probably a pretty prime example and it's not too shabby. Yeah. It's a who's who of post, uh, image departure, Marvel artists. You know, it's all the guys. Yeah, who, that's true. It's all the guys left. The big, yeah, it's all the guys who took the, took the reins after Liefeld and McFarlane and Jim Lee left. It's all the guys who are sort of second tier. But a lot of them, I think, became pretty pretty great artists. I mean, some of these guys went on to Image eventually. Yeah. Actually, almost all these guys have probably done a book at Image at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some names. There's definitely uh, no lack of, of talent involved. Um, but a lot of them kind of getting their footing because suddenly this giant vacuum of jobs opened yeah. at Marvel. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, part of that trying to deal with that exodus is probably why Marvel went so crazy with this series. Exodus? No, I didn't even do it uh, on purpose. Yeah. Um, and then I would say people should check out the movie. I mean, you know, get it on video. Get some popcorn, get some beers or whatever. Personally. Just have a fun time with it. And I know comparison-wise it's not going to be relevant forever, but I'm sure when they first come out on Blu-ray it'll be around the same time. I would watch X-Men Age of Apocalypse before I watch Civil War again. Oh, 100%. It just, it I have just, no desire to see Civil War again. Uh, Civil War was okay, but it's definitely not as fun. Civil War, it was fine. It was like watching, I don't know, a Bond, a new Bond movie or something. It's like, yeah, you know, that was fun two hours. It, it definitely feels I don't know like what happened. they're... Who cares? Yeah. They're, they're trying to just not upset the apple cart. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> like is what civil war is they're just like eh we're gonna give you a little bit of what you want but in the end we're gonna try to just get you to come back for the next movie well and, and what's funny is that civil war is almost the modern way that marvel does crossovers yeah whereas this is more like the old school way where there was still some individuality in the books whereas now with all the Marvel movies, there's so much effort put into tying them all together and having little moments of these side characters that are eventually going to get a movie, then they're eventually going to be part of the next movie. And it's like, it feels like they're not telling me stories. They're trying to just cob, you know, cobweb together all these different characters so that you have to see all the movies and they can do these Marvel movie events before everyone comes out where you sit in the theater for 24 hours watching Marvel movies. And so kind of just 
I don't know if it's really piggybacking that or not, but it popped into my head about the X-Men franchise. And one of the main differences is they're doing it decade by decade. Mm-hmm. And so the next movie that the X-Men is doing is going to be a 90s X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. And at the end of Age of Apocalypse, I'm going to spoil it a little bit. Yeah, They show the costumes and they're not 100%, but... Again, nostalgia, just like the Psylocke thing. Seeing fucking Cyclops with the giant strap, like the bandolier <laughs> strap and the giant utility belt, I got really excited. <laughs> well, yeah, but do you, do you remember what the Essex Corporation is? No. What's that? It's Mr. Sinister, who's like the oh, worst. right. God. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, Sinister, sucks. he just... What the fuck's going on with Mr. Sinister? People question what Apocalypse's powers are, but Mr. Sinister just doesn't make sense. He doesn't make any sense. Unless <laughs> unless they get unless they get Willem Dafoe to play him, I'm not gonna be happy with their choice. Who's your who's your who's your secondary option? Oh man, I don't know. Um uh Michael Shannon. <laughs> Michael Shannon. I will find him. Yeah. I will find him. Yeah, I don't know. I well, and that's the other the other thing you mentioned. There's a difference between the two series, like you know the Avengers stuff and the the X Men stuff. They're obviously different studios. The X Men movies feel like each one is trying to do something different and crazy, and not just beholden to some big design. Right? Exactly. It's kind of more like in that way. It's a little bit more like a Bond movie or or like a Fast and Furious movie where. Really, you're just like, we're going to go on an adventure with these characters. Yeah, we're going to tell and, a story. And if it doesn't mesh up, eh, you'll have yeah. fun anyway. Fuck yeah, it. it's like, who cares about, like, I don't really ever think I'm going to want to sit down with all the Thor, Captain America, Avengers movies and try to figure out how they all fit together. Like, I have no interest in that. But I want to sit down for two hours and watch a movie that entertains me or one that makes me think. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to watch movies. But, but yeah, the X-Men movies feel like each one is different and tries to do something different, whereas... The Civil War, you know, Avengers movies feel like they're, again, they're just giving me little bits of information to tell this giant story that you know it's not going to pay off. No, it can't. I mean, they're, they've been building towards the Infinity War stuff for, what, 12 movies by the time we get there? Or some crazy shit? Yeah. That's, you can't, <laughs> you can't live up to that. Yeah, well, and, and you know what, it, by the time it gets to those movies... There'll be like either a, a, a trio of movies that are just the Infinity War, or there'll be like an Infinity War Part One and Two. Well, we know and, that's going to be the case. And well, I didn't. I don't. I don't know. I'm sure they've announced these things, but yeah, I'm just Infinity guessing. War is going to be two parts. There, it's Ugh. not going to be called Infinity War Part One and Two, but it is essentially uh, it's a two part story. Isn't that so depressing that my cynical comment is the real reality of the situation? Uh, <laughs> And, 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 you know, when they get to those, there's going to be some crazy CG stuff in space that's not going to make any sense. And then they'll cut back to Earth and you'll see for five seconds, you'll see Daredevil fighting. And then for maybe 10 minutes, you'll see Spider-Man fighting. And it's going to be horrific. It's just going to be a horrific mess. Yeah. That's that my right. prediction. That sounds right. <laughs> but, yeah, stick with X-Men. You know, make mine Marvel or whatever. Make my uh-huh. Marvel Jesus. <laughs> I think I think uh, next time uh, next thing we need to do needs to be maybe getting back to some indie stuff. Yeah, I agree. I'm done with these crossovers and ten billion words on every page and some really bad '90s art in our last couple of things. So, so the next one we knew we need to do is read every issue from the Nuff Said month. Oh man! Well, actually, 
The Nuff Said Month was pretty good. That's one of the reasons I, I got back it's... into comics. <laughs> that that issue of Soldier X is amazing. Yeah. Um, and that or it's Cable, I guess, at the time. And then that issue of New X Men, where they go inside Professor X's brain and find out that he has a twin that he killed in the womb, is awesome. So uh, one of the issues in this early on ends with like, "This is what happens next," and then it says, "Nuff Said." And I was like, "Oh my god." Am I going to get four of these books that are from the Nuff Said month? Oh, because that would speed this up so much. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny if they did. It's the alternate version of the X-Men during a crossover and it's Nuff Said. That's like, <laughs> that's like an ice cream sundae with everything on top of it. You know? That's right. Um, it sounds like a good idea, but you're not going to eat it. No, you look at that on online when somebody posts it and you're like, yeah, that looks great. Not going to eat it. Oh, terrible yeah, idea I, I think that yeah something you know again we are, we're open to suggestions i i'm leaning towards something like cerebus or something that is a little more like definitely indie um but yeah we should think about it but i i, I will say i enjoyed this i don't want to read all 40 of these again um but i definitely want to see the movie again and i i probably will track down some of those astonishing x-men and generation next comics nice all right well that's all i got so if you're satisfied, if you're satiated, I'm satisfied. I don't even have anything to plug this week. Just, That's uh, crazy. You know, follow me. Go on back Twitter. in time and go to Cake because apparently it was amazing. Cake was incredible. Um, I do want to give a shout out, I guess, to Cake. I mean, Cake was an incredible show. Thank you, everyone who came out to say hi. I had so many wonderful customers and and other artists I got to meet. Um, it was it was a blast. It was the best show I've ever had in so many ways. And Cake is amazing. And you guys should all come next year. I agree. So do what Tyrell says. It's the fucking law. <laughs>